Episode 135, Jessica Jones, Season 1, Episode 6, a.k.a. You're a Winner. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Ah, welcome back, agents or detectives or whatever we're going to be right now. P.I.s. <laughs> it's Agent Daniel here. But as always, I'm not alone. It's because I'm here with you, Agent Daniel. Yeah. I think we need a little bit more than I. It's me. Ben. So it's, you. it's you. Ben Avery. Here to talk about Jessica Jones with Good to see Daniel you. Butcher. Good to see you know your name. Hey, that that name, that title, you're a winner. Do you do you ever feel like you're much of a winner? Because I personally don't feel like I win many things. I don't usually feel like a winner. I have won a few things in my life. Um, no, you know what this title makes me feel is it makes me feel sadness. Like singing Tom Jones. Oh man, she's a winner. Ooh, oh, she's a lady, and the lady is mine. <laughs> All I can say is, all of you agents who used to listen and have now cut away, we miss whoa, you. Whoa, 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 she's a winner. Sounds like winner Talking about my little lady. She's not a Hormel, buddy. And the lady is mine. She's not a fine... Actually, me. it's funny you would say that because my parents, when they were dating, I believe, is when they were dating, but they would sing that she's a wiener. So... They thought it was so funny that she was a Oscar Mayer. That's right. That's when the puns began, kids. The puns began before I was begat. You know what's really sad to me, though? What? It sounds to me like Mr. Avery's still romo- more romantic than you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we'll just call him Papa Avery, maybe. And Papa Avery taught me everything I know about... Bad puns. Good enough. Good enough. Yep. yep. Hey, Ben. Yeah. You know, in our last episode, we missed a few things. Maybe we should go to another segment and clean that up. Uh, you mean like a news segment? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And I want to hear that sophisticated news sounder that you've got. Um. Yes. Yes. Let's do it. Ready? Play it. Play that sophisticated sounder. Jessica Jones news time. That was the top of technical brilliance. Yeah, yeah. Well, the special effects, it's it's hard to find the right special effect. Uh, And in this case, I tried to find a special effect that would also double as as music. Oh. Yeah. Maybe we should go ahead and move on to the news (laughs) that we forgot to mention in our last episode earlier this week. Yes, we forgot to mention. Yes. We forgot. forgot. That's how it works out. It's it's still kind of timely, though, if we work things out the way we think things will work out. (laughs) All right. I've got some good news, bad news, buddy. Okay, let's hear some good news, bad news. The good news is Marvel's Most Wanted is finally moving to pilot. See, I played the sounder just then. 
Wow. Let's <laughs> stop with the sounder. Okay. Uh, yeah, that is good news. Uh, I think we'll at least get one episode then out of Mockingbird and, and Hunter, right? And I'm pretty sure we'll be able to turn this into an episode where we have our official drinking game for Welcome to Level 7, where we'll be able to count in one episode how many Hey Girls b- and Booms I put out there. Yeah, yeah, I... I and you may there may even be a crack of doom from me, but yeah, I I mean again I I like what I've been seeing from Lance Hunter to be honest this season. If any reason why last year we didn't move to pilot, where I would have said ah, I'm not quite ready for that, it would have been what I had been seeing out of Lance and the way he's been developed this season. I'm ready for Bobby and Lance to have their own show. Hopefully uh, positioned in a time period that will be completely schedule friendly to us. Like a summer series. Wait. Well, there's not always schedule. Well, if it was 2017, that might be friendly to us. Yeah. Uh, or uh, between between halves of the season? So hey, that would mean there's no Carter happening. Well, maybe there. Well, Unless there's <laughs> some sort of... Wow, if we go to series with Marvel's Most Wanted, Daniel, there are going to be issues we're going to have to work out. Well, let's just go ahead and let's do some counting, okay? So we've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm, there's one. Okay, let's just say two Netflix series is a year. Two, three. Okay, throw in Agent Carter if she gets picked up again. Four. Um, let's definitely, definitely not forget the comedy series that we told were in development. Five, six. Oh, wait, wait, more news. Uh, Damage Control, which would have been mentioned earlier. ABC Entertainment Group President Paul Lee also revealed that they're working on a second Marvel comedy. Okay, so Daniel, uh, you know what my mantra has become as I'm looking at news feeds? Is it, do you put your fingers together and just go, hot mess. That is not. Hot mess. No, no. Hot mess. My mantra is... Please don't be MCU. Please don't be MCU with the comedies. Uh, and, and the only reason is just because of, wow, that's a lot that they're throwing out. And so if if this stuff was non-canon, I'm sure we'd cover it somehow or another, but we wouldn't feel as obligated to do an episode for each episode. Or well, uh, Hey, we handled heroes this season. Exactly. Exactly. I could see if, if the Marvel comedies were just their own thing in their own universe. And for damage control, I almost wonder if they'd have to just so they could use more heroes and, and you know, do things that are outside of, I mean, let's face it, we're, we're getting all these damage reports from Jessica Jones, Daredevil, and a little bit from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where how serious is this terrible Shatari invasion, right? But... You know, a comedy about the people cleaning up after this horrible invasion. Now that they've you know put numbers on the casualties and stuff like that, uh, it almost has to be not MCU. So, sounds hilarious to me. It could very well be, but you know, there, there's got to be some separation. In my in my opinion, maybe they could do it in a different way. I don't know. But also, there aren't a lot of superheroes running around in the MCU doing these large scale. Uh, things except that happen in the movies. Well, here's something to consider. And maybe let me throw out another piece too, as we talk about this bigger picture. 
So something to consider with the comedies, just as you point out, you know, we've seen cartoons like Superhero Squad where they've had, you know, funny stuff, but a big cast of heroes. Mm -hmm. We also know from our past experience with Superman, oh, it's not Superman, Spider-Man, that the live action TV rights and the live action film rights and some of these contracts have been separated. So would it be possible if you had a live action comedy? Could we see Fantastic Four on TV as long as it's not MCU? I think that we could. And and if that's the case, I'm 100% for it. If it's MCU, I'm 87% for it. Because, again, it's, it's a tonal thing. If they're going for a sitcom laugh track type of, of deal, I think it does need to be some separation. I think they would agree. Now, if it was going to be a single camera uh, dramedy kind of thing, then we could, you know, that straddles the fence there. But And let me just throw in a question about Marvel's Most Wanted. Sure. Something I don't want to say. Could we be looking at our replacement for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? It is a possibility, but I, I don't mean, think so. Well, we know that the ratings of time have struggled. We'd get two of the highlights from many people's minds on a TV show still. Still have our connections to Marvel Cinematic Universe. And... Maybe you're able to do it cheaper. It's Battlestar Galactica 1980 all over again, my friend. <laughs> Which actually, that's not too bad of a of, of a comparison other than the quality. But even Galactica 1980 had a Starbuck episode. So Marvel's Most Wanted could have a, a Coulson episode. If, if, that's, if that's possible. what you're talking about is happening. Uh, I, I don't think so. But anything's it's not possible. Out of the realm of possibility. Anything's possible. I've grown attached to these characters. I would not like to see them go. Um, but I mean, it also comes down to what does the studio think is going to make money, and what do the creators who are working on things think about where these series would go? Marvel's Most Wanted seems to me to open up a more free free range environment for the characters to to play in it's not just it, the it spy would, stuff it doesn't have to be agents of shield mm, it's these it can, guys it's who an are, adventure of the week it brings us back to where we were before civil war potentially yeah yeah you'd have these people going out being heroes marvel's most wanted honestly maybe it would retain one or two characters from shield uh but then it would have them go off and and again not have to worry about shield not have to worry about agents. Uh, I, so I don't like the idea unless, unless it's good. And then I'm, I'm, I'm there. They um, call into Clark Gregg. He's a little speaker sitting on a desk. Sorry, Charlie's angels. <laughs> well, and, and again, you know, Clark Gregg and the team could still be out there doing their thing. I don't know. I don't know. I, I would not like to see it happen that way, but you have to, you know, people are asking the question, are we getting into movie superhero movie overload overkill? Uh, you know, are we having too much of it? We're looking at ABC potentially now, this isn't happening yet, but potentially ABC saying we're going to put four Marvel shows on one network. I mean, that's, that's not, it's law and order. It's CSI. Uh, 
Is it too much? Yeah, throw in the possibility. They have to, don't you think they seriously have to be considering a Star Wars show, though? I, I don't know why they aren't doing one yet. I, I, I do not know why they aren't doing a Star Wars show yet. I mean, people love Rebels. Well, except for you. But people no, love I, Rebels. I, Daniel, I can't watch Rebels. It's not that I don't like it. I can't watch it. I don't have cable. I'm why sure there's some way of spreading lies it? about me. You could pirate it somehow. I could. Not that I can do in those actions. Long Ben Avery is a historical pirate. This Ben Avery is not. There you go. I'm just going to say that right now. Hey, I think we've talked too long about this. We've got another piece of news that we forgot. Okay, what is it? Hey, have you uh, seen that uh, that new hit movie Creed yet? About Rocky? No. Well, actually, I've heard it's pretty good. I really want to see it. I just haven't had a chance to. You know, I'm not really a huge fan of the Rocky franchise, but I've I've heard that this uh, movie's a lot more solid, and perhaps our star did a little bit better here than he did in Fantastic Four, if you know what I mean. I do know Wink, what you mean. Nudge, nudge. But hey, that director of uh, Creed, Ryan Coogler, he's been rewarded, and his reward is Black Panther. A very worthy reward. So I like this because, A, it's an up-and-coming director, but it's also a director who's seriously shown his chops and shown his ability to do drama in a critically recognized way. I mean, Sylvester Stallone got a Golden Globe for this. And I've heard from people I trust it's a deserved award. He should have gotten it for for Rocky Balboa, I, I believe. He did a great job with that as director and actor, but... The thing is, I think sometimes people forget that Sylvester Stallone really is a genius. <laughs> he, he is. But, you know, you put Sylvester Stallone with this director and for everything I know about Stallone is he, he's good to work with. And I believe that, you know, this Golden Globe, it belongs to Stallone for putting in the acting. But the the guy who directed him has to have some credit for for being the director that 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 performance came under and I am glad to see this, this happen here. We've got a great director, uh, coming off his biggest film. Ever. And, and there's a different mold here though, for him from some of our other directors from, from the Marvel universe. Well, and I, I think we're going to see a serious dramatic side to black Panther unless of course they go back and they follow the silly stuff that I like. It's always a possibility, Daniel. Yeah. It's always a possibility. If Martin Freeman's in there. I do. I'm hoping. I do like me some Martin Freeman. Or is it Marvin? I don't know. What's no, his name? Marvin is the android from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which Martin Freeman played Arthur Dent in. But it is Martin. Yeah. All right. I think we need to cut it off here and move on into the, what is it, the pre-, pre Preliminary investigation. I think it's whatever you decided is this week, Ben. It's preliminary investigation. Preliminary investigation. <laughs> so I was right. How many times in the row can we say preliminary investigation? I don't know, but I'm glad you're right about preliminary <laughs> investigations, Ben. It's your new hot mess. And so uh, the preliminary. <laughs> I can't say it now. The preliminary investigation is 
Daniel and my preliminary thoughts about these episodes. We phone in right after we watch the episode. And so, Daniel, yours looks like it's the no, no, mine is the one it's 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 loaded up first. So, OK, we'll we'll play that and then we'll play yours. Here we go. Hey, hey, Ben, teacher Ben. Hey, hey, Daniel, teacher Daniel. How you doing? Me too. Doing fine. Glad to hear it. Uh, sandwich is good. Wasn't it, Ben? It was. Don't tell me it wasn't because it was. You know it was. Jimmy John's. Man, it's freaky fast and then freaky good. But uh, yeah, we're talking about you're a winner. Sixth episode of Jessica Jones. And uh, here's my instant reaction to you're a winner. Episode six of Jessica Jones. This episode, uh, kind of, um, well, a little bit kind of pushed away my idea that we were in the 13-hour movie, but it's still not feeling episodic. Even though there is things that happen in each episode, it's still feeling like one long narrative. And I'm just going to say this right now. This is not easy to binge. Um, it's kind of all blurring together, and it's it's not, because it's not like this, episode is about this. This episode is about this. Um, it hasn't been as, as, as much of a, as easy to binge as some other things that, that I've watched. And let's see, the other thing uh, about this episode, I would say, I mean, there's lots of interesting thing, things coming out of this. I still don't like the coincidence that two superpowered people in Hell's Kitchen are connected by that murder. Uh, that kind of coincidence just kind of irritates me, but maybe I'll be wrong and there's no, there's no reason to be irritated. And what was the other thing? Man, ah, I, I can't I can't remember. There was something else I was going to mention in my instant reaction here. But, yeah, I mean, overall, things are moving slow. I remember what it is. Things are moving slow, and I feel like um, maybe we should be on episode four at this point with the amount of stuff that's happening. Um, but then again, uh, maybe... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you feature Ben. I know you're saying right now to yourself, of course you're wrong. It's your past, Ben. But just because you're in the future and you have hindsight doesn't make you better than me. Okay? You think you're better than me? You're not better than me. You're just older than me. Okay? Wiser, older, doesn't make you better. A little bit fatter, though, because of the sandwich I'm going to have right now. I'm not sure if mom's going to make it at home because... That's, that's what I'm going to do, but yeah, maybe I won't make a sandwich. Maybe I'll some popcorn. Uh, I'm really hungry for some grilled cheese, though. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. I don't know. I don't know if I was wrong. Hmm. I've got a big conundrum. What's your conundrum? Um. Why didn't I get part of the Jimmy Jones check? Because clearly they're promoting us. <laughs> they're our sponsor. Well, I don't know if they're promoting us so much as... They're feeding us when we pay them for it. So, yeah, I, I need my share of the Jimmy John's money. Well, your share of the Jimmy John's money is to put in money to help buy a sandwich. Hmm. If you want to do that. And hmm. I guess AKA the sandwich saved you. Didn't we have a conversation last week about sharing a sandwich? We may have. I think we did. But okay, are you ready for your, your feedback here? Yeah, let's hear what this brilliant man has let's to say. Let's hear what Daniel Butcher has to say after watching. 
Hey, Danny Daniel and Trevin. It's Daniel here, and I, I just got done watching The Man from Uncle. Uh, why are two people watching this movie? <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Guy Richie Richiness. <laughs> What's that? I'm supposed to call him when I get done watching stuff, right? Yeah, but, you know, the show that we're talking about. Uh, I'm up for talking about The Man from Uncle. I thought it was delightful. Let's 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 play that after. Maybe that could be a post credit is we can talk about Man from Uncle. I'm just saying, I do my job. You told me to call in when I watch stuff, so I'm, I called in. Can't say those are the exact words, but... Let's let's uh let's go to the next okay here's the next one. Bird Street Higgins Drive. There we go. Daniel here, aka You're a winner. Oh man. Well I have a really hard time believing that Hogarth being a big, powerful attorney could actually spend their dire day at a infirmary in a prison. Just saying, that seems a little not there. I mean, she is a top client, though. I mean, she's important to Jessica, I guess, but not really Hogarth. Um, another fine episode of uh, Jessica Jones. Really challenging is Jessica a good person? If anything, I think mean, we do see a little gro- uh, We do see that Jessica is a good person because she does admit to being there, uh, to killing Luke's wife to being the one who did it in order to save another person. And I don't think a good person would have done that. I think a good person would have just let Luke go on believing. So I actually feel pretty good about that. So just saying. Um, I like seeing Luke. I like seeing Sweet Christmas get dropped in again. Um, it's a nice ch- a nice touch. Makes me happy. Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise... Good episode, solid episode. Um, look forward to seeing what's going to happen there on the old Higgins Drive. Peace out later, bye. All right. So there's our initial reactions. and See, I watched it. You, you did watch it. You did watch it. I, I sometimes got the impression as we were trying to, you know, as we were getting closer and closer to recording time, uh, and and Agents of Shield was wrapping up that maybe this wasn't capturing you quite the way Daredevil had. There was a lot going on, and so maybe, and it, as you point out, it was hard to hard to binge. I believe there was one day I actually sent you a message while I was watching and said, "Just watch three episodes," and you suggested that perhaps I needed to go find something else to do. Yeah, like uh, watch the A Team or MacGyver oh, or something like that. Yeah, oh, always a delight. Yeah, yeah, and so instead you watch BoJack Horseman. Which also made me slightly depressed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just don't see binging Jessica Jones and then moving from that to Bojack Horseman being the best double feature. I'm just saying the first episode was good. Small doses is what I'm saying. But the second episode of Bojack, it kind of threw me. <laughs> yeah. Stuff got real. It's it's a tough watch sometimes. And, and that's that's with, with a lot of these Netflix series... There's a couple that I started watching. I just said, I'm not, I'm done with this. This is bringing me down. Like I, I, I don't mind watching things that are going to make me think about negative things in the world because the world has negative things going on in it and art reflects that. But man, sometimes I just, you're watching, you're just like, why do I need to continue? And I've been able to 
break the binge a couple times. The crazy thing is, as you say that about how art reflects life, and to be honest, there's things in this episode that make me think that. There is, but let's play the sounder before we talk about that. Because let's do it. There's a heavy real world situation going on in this episode. So, surveillance report. Okay, so our title is "You're a Winner," and there are some winners in this episode. And one of those winners is Kilgrave. One of those winners is Dude Who Sold His House. And one of those winners is the guy who gets beat up because he was tricked into thinking he was getting an Xbox for the person that's growing weed for him. Mm-hmm. Which is the winner that the title is referring to. So, yeah, should we begin? This, this plot here is thick. There was a lot more notes than I think the usual plot. So I'm going to try and keep it thinner, but I, I may not succeed. So stop me or push me as needed. Okay, Daniel? You know me. If I'm willing to do anything, it's to interrupt you while talking. It's true. So we start out with a voiceover from Malcolm. Uh, and we find out the context later. But he's talking about Kilgrave. And it's a good quote. It's a very good quote. And... I think reflects that Kilgrave for, for Malcolm is a metaphor for uh, dealing with drug addiction. He says, there's a freedom being under Kilgrave's control. You're not a slave to guilt or fear or even logic. You just do as you are told. And I, I think that there may be something to that as far as if, if you're looking into, you know, what's the representation of his, uh, his, his victimhood. He's a victim of Kilgrave, but in the context of a, a, an addict. Ben, let me interrupt you here. <laughs> okay. I don't think you're interrupting since I, I but go ahead, go I, ahead. I, well, I think that one of the things is that comes out here and maybe we'll see this again in this episode, wink, wink, maybe in the series. Maybe. Is, is one of the things dealing with being Kilgraved is she's, feel guilty, but it's not just guilty for what you did. You feel guilty for the fact that maybe you don't overly feel guilty about it. Or, and sometimes the fact that, you know, the thing that you did, is it because it was in you and he just released you? Exactly. Or were you being controlled? And that's the Malcolm angle here, is as he's talking to people and doing the soul searching from this, in this episode, uh, he asks his, the, 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 the group, you know, did I do this because I was under his control or was that already a part of me? And, and again, I think for him, that's a question that, you know, you would ask as an addict is, you know, is this, are the drugs or the alcohol or, you know, whatever it is that's giving you the buzz, giving you the high, is that controlling me or is it just pulling out the stuff in me? That's already there and it's just amplifying it. And and, per, and perhaps somebody who deals with it the harshest is Jessica, who was able to pull herself out of it. Yeah. And, you know, when we see her response to a command, I don't want to get too much into that. We'll, we'll get into that in, in another episode, but we, we see her response to a command and it's, it's a violent response. Well, but I mean, when we go back and we look at the, the death of Miss Cage, Mrs. Cage, um, we see that, you know, she was able to break free at one point. Yeah. 
uh, Riva. Yeah. And and you almost get the impression, and uh, yeah, I, you almost get the impression that she has done something so against her nature that the control is just gone. You know, that's the feeling I got as I saw that. Now, that may be or it may not be the reason for why she comes out from under his control. But yeah, it's, it's almost like she was shocked out of it. And uh, so, yeah, for Malcolm and, and maybe, maybe we'll just have our Malcolm discussion right here because this whole episode, I feel like he's trying to uh, make up for what he's done, uh, trying to protect Jessica by, you know, posturing when Luke is around and, you know, Luke is going to take this scrawny little man and wipe the floor with him. I mean, it's just not going to be a good scene. And it, it's just, it's just not if they had to, you know, if it came to blows, Luke knows it, Malcolm knows it, but Malcolm wants to make sure, you know, he, he's not doing this as alpha male. He's doing this as this is someone I care about now who has helped me. And I want to make sure that, that she can be helped too. And, and we've seen him go from, do you even care back to Jessica Jones? You're a good person. He straight out tells Luke. It's like he can feel that Luke is questioning Jessica mm-hmm. and whether or not she's a good person. And, you know, he she's a good person. Don't hurt her. Which, again, is ironic because Malcolm knows that she's super strong. But what could Luke hurt? Her feelings, her emotions, her spirit. It's not like Luke's probably going to kill her, but he could still crush her just in the same way that Kilgrave has. And, you know, part of that then for Malcolm is he's seen the hurt that she's already experienced with Kilgrave. And, you know, he knows a bit of her story there. She kn- He knows about the connection there. Um, and so, yeah, I, I believe this is, you know, Luke questions him as if, oh, you're into her, you know, and, and Malcolm is not he he genuinely cares about Jessica and genuinely wants to help her because she helped him and he's clean now because of her and he's out of Kilgrave's control now because of her and he's trying to and repay he's been that protected debt. he's being protected every day because of her he's her Chewbacca he has a life debt to her right now maybe not that's, that's nice I actually liked it. All right, all right. Just wanted to, I, I was silent because I just wanted to linger for a minute. Okay, all right. So that, that's Malcolm. I feel like somebody needs to make a meme or something. Probably not. It, it's a little esoteric for, for that. But, I mean, people will get the Chewbacca reference, but they wouldn't get the Malcolm reference. So. <laughs> but anyway, so that's kind of our Malcolm discussion, I guess, right now. Uh, and this is why I want you to interrupt me, Daniel. Even but though you, I, I technically speaking, you weren't continue. interrupting me. Uh, allow me to interrupt you by saying, "Feel free to continue." Okay, thank you. Uh, our next scene, we get a we get a Kilgrave scene here. We get a card game, a uh, really tough card game. Um, you get the impression that you know this is life for Kilgrave here. He has entered a high stakes poker game, and it's super high stakes. He's going all in. With his two cards, but he doesn't have much of a poker face. And the other ones, they're going to, you know, the one guy who's calling him out, he's out until he's in because Kilgrave tells him to put it all in. And the pot is a million dollars. $1.2 million. Okay. $1.2 million. 
And he tells them they're all going to do that. They're all going to go all in. They're all going to fold. And then they're all going to tell the story of the night can, they lost. Can I just a, stop you? Yeah. Clearly, he's a cheater, cheater. Pumpkin eater? Yeah. All right, you can continue. Well, I mean, we know he's a cheater. We see he's a cheater. There is no risk for him in things like this. I'm just saying I've played poker, and this is not how you play. Well, you mean mind control people into giving you all their money? Yeah, yeah. I mean, strictly speaking, he hasn't broken the law. Strictly speaking? You know, I... But he tells them, you're going to tell the story of the night you lost a million dollars to the worst hand you've ever seen. You're going to, people are going to pay for your meals because it's such a great story. They're not having any of it. In fact, one of the guys threatens him and then he just says, let's see how long it takes you to put your head through that post. And it's just one of those horrible, horrible things where he tells someone to do something, leaves them to it, to where they're going to do it for 12 hours until someone stops them or until they die. And just, this is Kilgrave. This is his life. And it kind of, you know, let's, let's stop. Let's hang here on Kilgrave for a little bit for this episode, because then what's he using the money for? We see him house shopping online. We don't know why until we get to the end, but then he goes to buy a house and he does it without powers. And he's very, very specific. He has to do this cleanly. To the point where he's almost going to say it, then he realizes he can't say it. And, and he really, you know, you and I, you know, we might negotiate with someone and say something like, you know, you're going to sell me this house. Mm-hmm. In our world, that means absolutely nothing other than the fact that we're just kind of joking around. You're going to sell me this house. But for Kilgrave, the minute he says that, it's going to happen. Yeah. And, and he does stop himself. You know, it was interesting. I did not notice this before. There is one command that he does give in that scene. And the guy says he has to ask his wife or something like that. And he tells the guy, and this is something, you know, the command itself might not even take effect. The situation that would make the command take effect might not even happen until after 12 hours or whatever. But he tells the guy to avoid seller's remorse. He says, avoid seller's remorse. And... It's just, you just see him, you know, he is trying not to, he is trying to do things the way people do them. Well, doesn't he, there's a second command in there too, doesn't he, you know, still basically to be quiet. Uh, he does that after they sell. After the transaction. After well, the transaction. Well, the transaction is truly not over because the lawyer has to look at it first. Yeah, but no, this is after the transaction. It's as they're walking out, I think, is, is when he says, uh, be quiet. Because the guy, yeah, this is great. Thanks a lot. Money's going to, you know, be quiet. Go. So he does use his power, but he doesn't use his power to get what he wants. He doesn't use his power to get the transaction. He just, use, as soon as the transaction is done, he uses it. So he seals that deal. Now, we'll talk about the house later, maybe. How's that sound? I think that's a good idea. But again, we're, we're at this point. Why does this have to be a legit deal? Why doesn't he just use his power? And that's a good question. And we will get to the answer. Spoiler, but we will. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil the answer, but uh, we'll get to that answer. All right, sir. Why don't you continue on your journey? Let's continue our journey. We've gone through Malcolm. 
but there is a scene with Malcolm and Jessica where they are discussing uh, they're, they're discussing Kilgrave and his powers and the whole it can't be explained you know so if you can't explain it you can't believe it um, <laughs> his powers aren't magic Malcolm is convinced his powers aren't magic how does he know that he knows it the same way he knows elves aren't real except for one problem with that well elves are real they are real and they're even in the MCU they're real too yeah you know what my name means Avery some translations of the name Avery is Lord of the Elves I just wanted to throw that in there I think it's kind of cool nice yeah I like it it's a perfect name for me Mm, passed on from generation to generation to get to this point in this time of a dude sitting here with Star Trek comics and Howard the Duck figurines on his desk your ancestors must be incredibly proud my ancestors would probably throw up if they really saw it. Well, or maybe some of them might be glad you didn't die by age 30 based on past life expectancy. That's rates. also true. And then there's other elements of my life that they'd be like, hey, that's actually a pretty good thing, probably. You know, I've got some beautiful children. I'm sure that they would like that. Which would be great for working in the fields. Yeah. Of course, they're reading Star Trek comics and yeah, that's <laughs> playing not. with the Howard the Duck figurines on my desk. But let's move on back to... <laughs> To Malcolm and and Jessica. So while they're discussing that, Luke comes to the door. And this is our big plot for the episode. Luke wants to hire Jessica. And so I wasn't sure how they're going to bring Luke in. I'm glad that he's back. I'm glad to see him. Wasn't I expecting missed this. Yeah, yeah, I, I did too. I missed you. You know what? Every episode that passes, and even more so on the second viewings makes me excited for when Luke has his own show. Well, in this, in many ways, this feels like Luke's backdoor pilot episode. Yeah. And because really the thing I cared about in this episode was Luke the most. I mean, he was where my attention was. Concern for Luke. What's Luke going to do next? What's Luke after? What does he is want? He going to say sweet Christmas? <laughs> and he does when he sees uh, all that. Good right, spoilers good is Luke going to kill that guy? Whew. Yeah. <sighs> I do enjoy me some Luke Cage. So he needs to find a kid named Antoine who got in with a loan shark, getting a loan from the loan shark, and then disappeared. And Jessica doesn't understand why he is connected to this. Uh, he was given this quote-unquote mission by Antoine's sister. And... I love Jessica. You know, she is, she's the, the probing private investigator. You said you only protect what's yours. Well, is that the probing investigator? Is that the jealous ex-girlfriend? I think that's the smart woman who understands people and who knows that you only protect what's yours is basically a life statement in some ways. And so what does that mean if he is so interested in helping this kid? Because she says... You say you only protect what's yours before he says, I promised his sister. I think. I don't know. I, but she, he says, I, she says, you, you said you only protect what's yours. Is that what you're doing here? And, and she, he says, I promised his sister. And then she says, and this is the is she yours. Is she yours? Is she yours? So then the phone rings 
So like, it's, you know, it never rains, but it pours, as they say. And it's Hogarth. Hope was attacked in prison. So we kind of have two separate lines of Jessica's plot here. We have the Hope side and we have the Luke side. Uh, which one do you want to do? Which one, where, where do you want to go? You want to let's let's go heavy. Let's get heavy out of the way. Now, let's go ahead and do the hope side too, just because it's not going to last as long. That's the heavy side, because it's just heavy. It's it's rough emotionally, uh, because at the at the prison we find out what happened, and that is that, and we already knew that this was going on. But Hogarth bribed a guard to find out that Sissy uh, from the previous episode attacked Hope. And that Hope, uh, we then find out as Jessica goes in and, and confronts Sissy, that Hope paid for Sissy to beat her up with the money she got from Jessica. And so then Jessica confronts Hope. And what happens? Why, why did she do this? Uh, there is a baby. Now, she is carrying Kilgrave's child from... from Which would be... A product of rape. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Jessica says, you are more likely to die yourself than for the baby to die. And and Hope says, I'm, I'm willing to die in order to lose the baby. And so, th- again, this is this is rough stuff. And, and so uh, Jessica goes to get help and they're, they're, there's some medication they can give her because the doctor isn't going to be able to have an appointment with her for two months and she'd have to live with the child in her womb. Uh, and so they get her the medication and they say, you know, this is going to, this is going to hurt. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be painful. Uh, and Hogarth chooses to stay with hope, as you said in your recording, until all is said and done with the abortion. And she collects the fetus. And she collects it, the body. It's, you know, I'm assuming we'll find out why later. But that's your reason why she stayed. Yes, because she wants something out of it. Now, so I have some thoughts on this. I do too. I mean, there's there's a lot to digest here. And it's it's not necessarily easy to digest. And this is another thing that makes this show hard to binge is that it goes to these uncomfortable places. I think no matter which side of the abortion debate that you fall on, whichever side you believe, you're you're going to be uncomfortable watching this. And if you're not uncomfortable watching this, uh, well, you know what yeah. this reminds me of? I, I do. And not. so let me just start there. Story wise. Why did they go this way? Well, we've talked about things being ripped from real life and things that make us uncomfortable. And what this reminds me of is this is the speech class catch 22 of the abortion rape debate. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do? When a, a pregnant lady, a woman makes her choice when she has been raped, you know, do your morals and standards stay the same or do they change? I'm going to be honest. I truthfully believe I look at Hope as being the product of the Midwest. I've seen her parents. They look fairly conservative. And if for anything, I think it increases the tension because my I guessing that her parents raised her to be against abortion. And now we see her as a victim being pressed up against a wall and feeling as if she only has one escape from this situation. She's a victim. She's been raped. She's been brutalized. She's been made to do things against her will. And now she carries a a reminder of that. 
And again, I think we all are at least familiar with the debate because of things like high school speech classes where this sort of thing comes up as being the, you know, this is how I'm going to win the debate on this one. And so we have here in Jessica Jones on Netflix on a superhero show, something that could be seen as a contemporary debate, uh, something that's an ethical issue that I think all of us at one time or another have, you know, tried to take a stance on. An ethical issue that at one time or another, we've all, even with this debate, tried to be rigid about what we would do in this particular situation. And here our writers have pulled this situation out of our backgrounds, out of the press, out of the news, and they're throwing it out in front of us and making us watch. And it makes us uncomfortable for some of us because of what our personal beliefs are, and it makes us uncomfortable because in some cases what we believe Hope's personal beliefs were. And it makes us uncomfortable because it reminds us yet again that Hope has been horribly victimized. Yeah, and I would add to that. I mean, there's a story element of uh, what the potential of the the body uh, that Hogarth takes. Uh, what, why would she want that? Well, hasn't she already said, imagine what it would be like to have that power on our side? She has said that. Yeah. And, and, and so that's the first place that you go is, like, oh, my goodness, you know. And, and that's a classic sci-fi trope of, you know, using, you know, cloning and, and different things like that to create superpowers or to um, inject superpowers or something like that. And, and Ben, um, can I back you up a little bit on this one? Yeah, sure. I have seen in pages of daredevil the children of purple man and they do have his abilities but you know what i say about that that right. comic books don't matter yeah i mean they matter because they give but, us the inspiration but they don't but they don't. what i'm saying is that we at least have a past precedent yeah that this could occur that in fact his children could be quote-unquote monsters and I'm just going to get real here for a second. Can I get real here for a second, Daniel? I don't know, Ben, if I'm ready for that. I don't know if I'm ready for it, honestly. But I, I was, you know, thinking through a lot of the difficulties of, of the different things here. And I don't think it's any secret. I'm, I am a conservative uh, as far as um, my moral beliefs and that kind of thing. I mean, I'm a, I'm a children's pastor, you know, for Pete's sake. And um and so I, I don't think that anyone listening would be it would have any surprise where I would fall on which side of the this abortion debate that we're talking about here. But let me tell you kind of what this kind of storytelling does, uh, especially when it's done done well. Now I, I do know you could make the accusation that you know it's manipulative. Uh, you can make the accusation that it's it's trying to um, you know influence people and in their and their feelings about this debate. And and in some ways I think it it maybe is. Uh, uh, not in a nefarious way necessarily, but it could be, uh, depending on how you look at it. But I look at this and I, I think to myself, you know, what I hope this does for people who are against abortion is that it humanizes the other side. Uh, whether or not it actually influences you to get on the other side is another story. Um, most people are, their heels are dug in on this and and they're they're going to follow you know they're they're gonna they're they're not gonna change based on a show but what i would hope this does and what it did for me in this viewing is is allowed me to you know she's in a terrible horrible spot she is in a situation where literally a monster and i think anyone 
who has been raped would in a uh, and be it would be a legitimate descriptor to call the person who did that a monster. I I, I truly believe that. Um, now they they also are human beings, and there's a, that's a whole other story as far as the the person who is the the victimizer. But um, there is some legitimacy to the idea of them, you know, not being uh, to to be a monster. And so watching this, it's difficult to watch. And for me, it was difficult to watch because I'm watching this woman who has to face, you know, these two terrible choices, no matter which way she goes with this, if she takes the pill or not. Now she takes it quickly. The choice has already been made for her, but no matter what, it's not good. And it's painful. And something that she'll always have to live with. It is. Just like the rape experience also. Is something, yeah. It, it's compounded traumas. But what we lose in debates, often what we lose in debates, especially moral debates, and, and this is something uh, that I call the weight of glory. And I call it that because C.S. Lewis called it that. And C.S. Lewis is a lot smarter than I am, and he wrote a great essay about this. The weight of glory is a situation where you start realizing that the person who has wronged you or the person who does things you don't like or the person who annoys you uh, in, in my worldview, you know, was created by God. I was created by God. Yeah. And so was, you know, my enemy, so to speak. And we lose that humanity in debate. We lose that humanity in public discourse. We look at the person on the other side of the debate as a monster, we look at the person on the other side of the debate as the enemy, as the other. And when I say we, I mean people on every the, side. I mean people on the side that I would agree with, and I mean people on the side that I would disagree with. This is what I observe, you know, all day, every day on Facebook. <laughs> and I try not to get involved in that, and that's why I don't weigh in on on certain subjects when they, when they come up is because it's not going to change anyone's mind if I weigh in and even worse, it's going to cause people to, to feel less human. Uh, but we lose that weight of glory. We lose that ability to see the other side as someone who is a person. And so when you watch a show like this, where you see these victims who have been hurt by Kilgrave, and, you know, we're talking about all these, I mean, there's some weighty stuff going on. We're talking about abortion. We're talking about rape. We're talking about rape culture. We're talking about uh, male manipulation. We're talking about addiction. I mean, these are all things, I don't like these things. I don't necessarily like being confronted with them, although it's something we need to be confronted with. I hate, Daniel, that there's even a, a phrase of rape culture. That there's a phrase that not only describes something, it describes something that exists. I mean, these are, these are hard things to take in. So yeah, we're watching Jessica Jones. It is a completely different, uh, journey than agents of shield. But again, art is meant to take us into places where we can be thrilled, where we can be disgusted, where we can be forced to think and where we can be, um, you know, exposed to the other, exposed to other people's cultures, other people's ways, other people's philosophies and thoughts. And and this is a situation where, you know, if it's not uncomfortable for you, 
if you can just sit there and say, and just sit there and, and judge her for being just terrible person, you're, you're missing out on the point. And the point for me, and maybe I'm missing out on the point for what they're trying to do. Maybe it would be what someone would say, oh, it's manipulative. Oh, it's, it's despicable. I see this as, you know, the point here is she's got a choice and it's not easy. And I don't think anyone, I mean, maybe there are people out there who are sociopathic and it's not, you know, but I don't think anyone who makes that choice is going to have an easy choice of it. And if, yeah, so I, here I am, I'm all over the place and I might've just turned off, you know, half of our audience to say, Oh Ben, you know, you're really showing your politics here, but I, I hope I'm not, I'm hoping I'm not showing my politics. I'm hoping I'm showing my, my personhood and, and what this, how this affects that side of me. Uh, cause I look at her and I see someone who could be my daughter and I would never want my daughter to have to be in a situation like that. And I would hope that I could love my daughter in a situation like that and, and make sure she knows she, I, I love her, you know, and the, the pain, I can't imagine the pain in a situation like that. I can only imagine. And, and, and that's not enough, you know, so, yeah. I think, Ben, I think pretty much if I was to gather a theme from your words, and I would congratulate you on them, is you're one of the majority of folks that believe that we should have civil discourse in our discussions about politics and culture in America. And the minority of the people who put all those ads on TV uh, just don't seem to get that. <laughs> no, they don't. I mean, the, the minority is the people you, you see. The minority is the people you hear um, because they're loud, you know, and and it's it's a problem for me because we can't be loud and shout them down to say, shut up, you're stupid, so shut up, you know, and we're just we're then becoming that. And but at the same time, we have to understand, again, going back to that weight of glory idea, those people who are out there doing the shouting and stuff. They're people too. They are human beings. Uh, most of them are human beings who feel like they're doing the right thing. Now, if you are aliens, there might be. There may be a couple, and, and I mean from other worlds and dimensions. Yeah, I mean, or, or or dimensions. Yeah, I mean, we might be looking at some Asgardians, but I would consider that an alien. So, oh boy, this was heavy. We need to get but, into some lighter stuff here. Yeah, I think it's time for us to get to the funny, funny. But again, a superhero-based TV show and the lessons that we're learning. Again, regardless of how you feel about this issue, just the fact that you can look at this and everyone can try to see people as people. Very valuable lesson. All right. Maybe All right. Move on, so then. I'm just going to say fart <laughs> joke now. All right. And we can move Sweet on. Sweet Christmas. So now let's talk about legalized marijuana. Yeah, maybe we'll stay away from that. Now. Um, okay, so we we get into the investigation. Then that's the other side of things that you know Jessica's going through this heavy, heavy stuff. She's, I guess, the Luke side is still heavy, heavy stuff for Jessica, um, and very emotional stuff for Jessica. But it's a little more fun for us because we get to see her as a private investigator and the mundane mundanity of being a private investigator. And we get to see a Marvel team up. We do. I mean, this is Jessica and Luke looking for Antoine, and they're dealing with bad guys and hoods, and they go to the apartment, and you know, Jessica shows Luke how to 
how do you do this thing, man? You know, how do you how do you investigate? Well, you look. It's almost the like he could take notes and start his own business. You roll for hire. <laughs> he could, if he didn't just want to keep his head down and, and not not make people notice him. But maybe a former girlfriend will teach him, teach him to look out for others. A formal Since girlfriend. She was a good, bird, good person. Maybe, maybe. So, in Antoine's apartment, we see the different. You know, he's looking for important things. She says, "You know, here's where you look for this stuff." And where do you look in the garbage? And she gets some of the mail out and starts understanding. You know, he oh here's well he's he, he's he plays the lotto and that tells us about him. And it's bills here and that tells us he about enters him. contests. Yeah, he enters contests. That tells us about him. And he he has a uh, uh, marijuana paper. What do you call? <laughs> we call that roller papers. I don't know. I think she calls them rollers. Something. It shows you how much into the the drug culture you and I are, but. Um, then she calls his cell phone and plays up on the fact that he enters contests and says, you're a winner. You won an Xbox, whatever. And, uh, she's a natural. She just picks Which up the phone. shows us how much you're in the video game culture. <laughs> I know Xbox one, Xbox 360. I just can't remember which one it was. That she it was, was an Xbox one. Okay. And it's a natural thing for her though. She just picks up the phone. She enters into character. She impresses Luke. Uh, they go outside uh, after they've, they've, place the cheese to bait the trap. Uh, they go outside and the hoods that Antoine owes, they come and they make a business arrangement with, with Jessica and Luke, uh, that they'll, they'll get part of the, uh, however much he owes them, the finder's fee. They'll get 5%. She's become a mafia collection agency. (laughs) She's not too happy about this, that Lucas set this up. But it helps them get out of the situation fairly quickly, and it's a win-win for everybody around. He offers her a ride home on the motorcycle. Daniel, how are you feeling about this? As she gets on, wraps her arms around him. He's um, a handsome man, and he gets in close. Motorcycles are cool, apparently. Though I need one like I need a hole in my head, which is what I'd have if I had a motorcycle. <laughs> my mom told my dad that we could buy a motorcycle or we could have another child. And then she told him that we were having another child. And that was my little brother. So, And his name is Harley. <laughs> no, it's not. But Maybe in have, your dad's I, I do have some friends in, in motorcycle culture who have a kid named Harley. Uh, the other thing that's going on, though, as uh, that uh, while Hogarth is getting meds for hope, I forgot about this. Um, Hogarth also wants uh, Jessica to, to dig up dirt on... On her, on her wife, I can't remember the name. Wendy, Wendy. Um, so, talking about Malcolm taking care of Jessica, she, Malcolm tells Luke about Kilgrave, and so Kilgrave comes back to Jessica, and it, they have a little conversation about that, which ends in physical relations. Uh, that ends in snuggling and, and pillow talk about Kilgrave, which, you know. Guess when you're going to snuggle in with that person that you love, you know, you're going to talk about the supervillain that you're trying to, to capture. Uh, then that is interrupted by Antoine calling, but it's not Antoine. It's someone else, but she gives him information or gets information from him about where to meet him. And this is where we get some of Luke's backstory. Luke's backstory ties into the woman, Reva. Uh, that's his wife because Kilgrave and I'm trying to figure out the, the timing on all this. 
But Kilgrave somehow found out that Reva knew about this thing that was buried. And Kilgrave puts Jessica to digging it up. Once they find it, that's where uh, they walk out of the building and and Jessica kills Reva. But after Reva died, Luke found a letter from Reva telling him to go to that place and to find something that's that's buried there. And so he he dug for it as well and wasn't able to find anything. But the case was buried in a place. Um, and and so that message came from Reva to Luke. So the other thing we have happen with Kilgrave is that um, Jessica's photo is three minutes late. So that's not good. Don't be late again, he says. Not good for Malcolm. No, no, <laughs> definitely not good for, for Malcolm. Uh, then they go and they stake out the restaurant. Uh, this is a BK Express. Is that, a, is that a sandwich place? I'm guessing maybe a Burger King Express. No, I don't think it's Burger King. I think it's actually like a sub place. But I don't know. Hmm. It doesn't seem like it was a Burger King in the color scheme, but it doesn't matter. He gets angry when no one shows up. He gets a, ta- a ca- taxi cab that takes him back to his abandoned warehouse. They follow him to the abandoned warehouse. They break into the abandoned warehouse. I mean, this is, you're talking about Marvel team up. That's oh, what's happening yeah. right here. This is Marvel team up, man. Um, they, they find the guy, uh, Antoine, and he's growing weed. And so he has disappeared, not because he's been kidnapped, not because the loan sharks have found him. He has disappeared because he is going to grow this weed. He is going to sell this weed on the street. He's going to be able to pay back his sister and the loan sharks and, and make himself out as an entrepreneur, which I always say, well, entrepreneur, 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 entrepreneur. Yeah, that's what he wants to be. Um, he can say it better than I can, and he wants to be it and probably do a better be job at it than the I street. Can. Yeah. Uh, so the first Legal fight, yeah, the first fight that we get is Luke Cage versus some dogs, but he doesn't hurt them. He doesn't hurt. Why would he hurt a dog? He doesn't hurt dogs. He doesn't hurt dogs. No, he doesn't hurt dogs. The second fight that we get is Jessica going up against the dude from the restaurant to find out where Antoine is. And then we get the big fight, the big fight where we get the, the team up, the, the loan sharks come and. Jessica doesn't want to give them Antoine anymore. Why? Because Antoine's sister has something that Luke needs that has to do with his wife's death. And Jessica wants to uh, find out what that is and tries. She's trying to head him off at the pass. Every yeah, she's step convinced here. it's evidence that she did it. Yeah. And so she's trying to head him off at the pass. Every step, she's trying to do something without Luke, faster than Luke. Um, and he's, and, he's feeling it. He knows. Oh, yeah. And he's already made some snide remark early on about, you know, her leaving him behind or abandoning him or whatever, uh, just leaving quickly. Hey, I had him. That was the priority. So we have fights here, though. We do have some fights and there's some good fights and it makes me just itch. I mean, we've got the Jessica stuff going on here and I'm, I'm, I'm liking what Jessica can do, but I'm itching for our next series with Luke. Not our next series that we're getting, but the, the next series with Luke. Where we get a just a cavalcade of former professional wrestlers to come in and have Luke hit them. <laughs> yeah. And these are some tough looking guys, man. That dude's neck. Oh my goodness. That dude's neck is bigger than my waist, and my waist is not small. 
Let's just put it that way. And there's a lot less fat in his neck than in my waist. It's so. called muscle. Pure muscle. In his neck, yes, but not in my waist. So, But what, well, we, what we end up getting is that she does – she abandons Luke to the bad guys. Now – he gives her a look. He knows that she's leaving. She knows that he knows that she's leaving. And uh, by the, the, it's not a terrible thing. She's not leaving him to die. He's not going to get beaten up here. He has the upper hand against all these guys. It's not going to be an easy fight for him to win, but he's not going to lose it. But still, she knows she's doing something that's wrong. And at least I believe she's doing something that's wrong. And I believe that she knows that she's doing something that's wrong by leaving him to the bad guys and going through that door and taking Antoine with her. Yeah. Yeah. Marvel team. Again, I'm really excited to see Luke Cage <laughs> in his own show every just, week because I really, really missed him. I, I look forward saying, to seeing him in next episode. I'm hoping our Marvel team up here, Daniel, you know, most Marvel team ups end on a, a pretty, you know, hey, we didn't like each other before, but we've just won this battle together. And now, you know what? Let's exchange let's go phone share numbers. Some and yeah, let's have some shawarma or let's, you know, go on a double date in our secret identities and not even know that we're on a double date with each other. But <laughs> um, no, we're not ending on that note here. <laughs> we're, and usually, you know, you end up, you get the superheroes fighting each other at the beginning and then they team up. That's not what happens here because she does get to Serena, the sister, first. And she demands that she that Serena give her whatever she was going to give Luke. And Luke shows up in the middle of the transaction. I mean, the transaction on as far as Serena is concerned isn't happening. But Luke shows up in the middle of Jessica trying to convince her to give her that thing. And um you know, she makes some excuses here. Getting him home was priority. Okay. Although maybe that could have been part of the plan. You know, instead of just sneaking out, you know, in a coward's way, lie in a coward's way, you know, hey, uh, you take care of them and I'm going to make sure that Antoine gets out of here safely. Uh, could have done that. Didn't. It's a little more honest with how she did it, I guess. Then when he's handed the file, she tells him, you don't want to see that. This is her thing that she's been saying already to some of her clients. This Seeing this stuff is not going to make things better. Uh, and then he reads that the bus driver was drunk, but still, and we find out he's still driving the route. It was covered up. No one even knew that he was drunk because his brother-in-law is, you know, head of investigations or whatever. His name's Charles Wallace. And Charles Wallace was drunk and Jessica, she's about to give herself up. I can explain. And then. He and reads. then she's saved. She is, you know, because who's not, not saved. <laughs> Charles Wallace. Well, but again, here, Jessica's willing to let him go off unhappy. Well, willing to give Luke this closure that does not include her. And then <sighs> someone says, yeah, then Serena says, hey, God help that guy. Because he's dead. Charles Wallace is dead. <laughs> and Luke does. He goes after Charles. He goes, gets on the bus, takes it to the end of the line. The bus is empty. Don't you think Jessica could have gotten on that bus a little bit faster? 
He rode the bus a long time. I, I don't know. Uh, this really shouldn't have been a in the nick of time situation. I don't know. I, I could go with that. I can go with the timing here. I'm going with the timing. I mean, I can't go with the timing of the Death Star going to Alderaan. Or not Alderaan. Going to uh, Yavin base. Um, that's just a too ridiculous for me that it... It, that can't make the jump to hyperspace, but I can Dude, go with you. Genesis. Totally don't know if it has hyperspace generators. It'd have to if it's going to go to that many worlds. Otherwise, it would take forever for it. to Apparently, get to it has uh, you know a, a dozen or so hyperspace. Well, clearly, it's huge. Yeah. It needs a lot of power. Yeah, <sighs> that's extended universe explanation. I don't know what they say in the, the book that's actually canon right now, but. Anyway, I can't accept I, that as much as I can. No cares. I I can accept it here. No. I don't care. Uh, I still enjoy the movie. Right. And Jessica coming up in the nick of time. It's good. It's good. Now. Okay. We're talking about Jessica breaks glass in every episode. What happens here is Luke Cage throws Charles through the window. Now I didn't notice any other windows or anything getting broken in this episode, except for this window. I submit to you though, that by Action or inaction of Jessica setting Luke on this course by allowing him to go without because she doesn't told him yet. She's broken the window. It's still her that's broken this window, even though just Luke let me stop you right there and through. say I allow it. You, you kind of have to because you don't care about the windows. <laughs> so, <No>. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, as he's going after Charles, um, she realizes the only weapon that she has to stop their battle as she's trying to protect this man. The only weapon she has is the truth. And it is a terrible, horrible, awful, it's a ter terrible, horrible, no good, very bad moment. Uh, where she, cause she admits that she killed Riva. It was not Charles Luke going after Charles. He's unstoppable because he believes Charles is the murderer. The only thing that can stop is to, to change that belief. And how does she change the belief with the truth? And they say the truth shall set you free. There is truth to that statement. But in this situation, because the lie was allowed to linger so long, and not only was the lie allowed to linger so long, the lie was allowed, uh, the lie was hidden in such a way that, you know, he believes she loved him. You know, the, the, the hands that killed my wife touched me he is very very upset almost to the fact that he feels as if he's violated for someone who to be blunt is pretty used to having casual sex he still seems to have some boundaries around it jessica's different jessica is different uh she there was a connection there and probably a connection that he hadn't felt since his wife from here, Jessica goes home, repeats her mantra of the, the streets. Um, Please don't be MCU. Please don't be MCU. Please don't be MCU. <laughs> and Kilgrave has sealed the house deal. And then we get a reveal. Now, this is the one big, big, big misstep as far as pacing and stuff goes. Is uh, He's walking through the house. His hand is going along the wall. And then he comes to this point on the wall where he peels away some wallpaper. And it's not... It's not a coincidental thing. 
where, oh, I just happened to peel away the wallpaper where her name is revealed. He finds these notches on the, the door frame, you know, that like families do where they're measuring height. And, and he pulls it away there. And we find out those notches are actually from her height in different ages. And so we know the house is the house that she has lived in at some point. But then the music starts the crescendo. And it goes outside and we see that the house is on one of the streets that she has been reciting up until this point. And I just feel like there's there's two reveals here. And the music is building up to this horrible moment where we realize, oh, look at the sign. It's one of her streets. But we already knew because of you know seeing Jessica's name on the wall. And I, I think we could have done without one or the other. And I feel like the street one is the one. It would have had the more power. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like the the name on the wall was the one where it's like, and for those of you who missed it or are going to miss it in 30 seconds when we are very subtle with how we reveal this, um, I feel like that's a misstep in this episode. But Yeah. So I got, yeah, so I, I do have some notes here, but the one is Angela Del Toro. It's a Marvel character that gets name dropped here. Yeah, a, wh- a white tiger. One of the 18 white tigers what? of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, white tiger. <laughs> Everybody's been white tiger. I've been reading about white tiger recently in uh, issues of the human fly over on comic book time machine. But which white tiger was it? The first one. Yeah. The first one. I can't remember his name now. But the, the first white tiger, not the good white tiger. Or not one of the good white tigers, I guess. Um, yeah, so my notes for Jessica, she's a great investigator. Um, here's something, oh man, this is another, I got another heavy moment. So I, I do think Jessica's proven out to Malcolm's words to be a good person because in the end, I mean, this bus driver did make mistakes. He was driving a bus while intoxicated. He did it more than once. He was a drunk driver. Yeah. And many of us could rationalize this and say that, you know, he needs to be punished. And, and Luke is an appropriate and a natural punisher. And, and Jessica could give him his closure and he could move on. But for someone who may not be, in the eyes of many, not worth much, and someone that Jessica doesn't know, she still gives up, to be honest, the most painful thing. Her worst fear. Her worst fear is that Luke will hate her. He still, she still gives it up, that piece of information, in order to save this man that she doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I do have one other heavy moment here, if I may. Okay. Okay. Fart joke. <laughs> uh, this will be a shorter heavy moment, though. Okay. And uh, this is not going to be so much of a soapbox as much as I want to encourage you out there, you who are listening, if you've made it this far. Of course, if you're listening listening to a podcast about Jessica Jones, you've watched Jessica Jones or you're avoiding watching it because of the heaviness. And so this is the discussion type of thing that it, that it brings up. But um, she talks about not wanting to go to the support group. Why? She says, and I quote, I'm not going to talk about my story because there's always someone who has it worse. Oh, oh yes, yes. I hate it that she says that. Now, I understand that she feels that. But it is wrong. It is but I wrong. think there's people that feel that way. It is. And I, I want to tell you right now, if you feel and, this and, way, and, someone else's worst pain does not invalidate your own pain. 
That is not a reason to not talk. Don't do this. Don't say to yourself, I've been through a situation that's bad, but someone else has it worse. And so I, I don't want to seek out help or I don't want to, you know, talk about my, my pain or, or my story. Now be sensitive to other people who might have it worse than you, but, uh, and and use these things as ways to move past your pain. Yeah. Yeah. But, but your pain is real. And, And if you feel like you don't deserve to have your pain because someone else has worse pain, uh, don't, don't, if you have pain, if you have things that need to be discussed, if you have a situation that, you know, you feel like it has to be kept secret because it's bad, but it's not as bad as someone who really needs help or something like that. No, no, don't do that. And I'm, I'm just, I feel like I have to say this. And so I'm saying it, uh, seek help. Open up to someone, find someone you can trust and go ahead, let that out because just holding on to your pain like Jessica is doing is not good. Now she does have Trish that she can talk to about some of this stuff, but even then she's not talking to Trish about everything. She will, I think, you know, but because she's not talking, she's not moving forward. Right. Right. So I, I just want to say that. And, um, it's a, spot on good character beat as far as what she feels and thinks and would say uh i just want to say don't don't follow her footsteps on that and uh, i just want to encourage anyone out there you know talk to someone you know reach out let people know that you have hurt that you have pain make sure it's someone you trust you know make sure it's someone who can can listen well and, and is not going to mock your pain or is not going to use it against you. But yeah. So stepping off the soapbox again, <laughs> uh, maybe next episode we won't have soapboxes. Maybe we'll have a, a, a moratorium on, on soapboxes. Well, and clearly today when we rate this episode, we'll rate it in soapboxes. I think you have, uh, I think you have something there. Uh, looking at Luke then, um, there's, Oh, we didn't talk about this. The conversation he has with Jessica where he he comes to her after finding out Kilgrave. I love that. The door is between them and it's just this barrier. They're not looking face to face, but they're having this intense conversation similar to Simpson and, and Trish, actually, in some ways earlier. Um, but he he says, you know, I, maybe I can make this right and – she says, you can't make it right. You didn't do anything wrong and you have no idea what I've done. And, um, and then I like that when she says she has to go after Kilgrave, he says, instead of don't, you know, run away. He says, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. That is, you know, that kind of, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. That, that kind of encouragement, you know, that's, that's, that's good relationship stuff right there. Um, and he clearly understands again, even though most of his relationship with her has been purely physical, um, what she needs in order to move on. I wouldn't say that it's been mostly purely physical though. Oh, they did have that dinner. They had dinner. They had conversation. They drinks, lots and lots of drinks. There's an emotional connection that they couldn't have with anyone else as far as things that they've experienced. Uh, it's not purely physical, although that is a part of that. I'm just saying Luke needs to work on the romance. Okay. All right. I, I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. So, 
I I know, Daniel. Do you have anything else you want to add into that? Yeah, you. We've covered the big points that I wanted to get to today. <sighs> we knew this is going to be a heavy episode. We were actually talking about it all day. Yeah. So shall we move on to our our witness statements? Let's hear it. Witness statements. And Daniel, there is no listener feedback for this episode. Yes. So, I mean, <laughs> what's going on? Uh, you know, again, scheduling, all that stuff is totally understandable. But yeah. Uh, so shall we move on to our final report? Let's do it. Final report. Okay, Daniel, you suggested it. How many soapboxes out of five do you give this episode? Um, I've lost, okay, you're a winner. Also known as... You're a winner. I'm going to give it, again, because it's a solid episode. It's strong. A lot of good character stuff. Love seeing Luke. I'm going to give it four. Four soapboxes. And I am going to give this episode a solid four soapboxes out of five. It's a solid episode. And keeping up that stream of solid, uh, you know, it's just, for me, the thing that's keeping me from giving this uh, a five is... It, it's different, and that's good. It takes us places that we haven't been before in a superhero situation and setting, and that's good, but it's just not fun. <laughs> I, I think that's it, the the lack of rewatchability. I understand the genius of what's occurring in front of me, but in general, it's not like I'm going to say, oh, it's Wednesday night, the kids are asleep, the wife's gone. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and throw in some Jessica Jones. Yeah. Oh man. So Daniel, I, I I don't know. Do you have any any parting words for our, our listeners as we, we close down this episode? Stay warm. It's cold out there, guys. All right. And I, I have some some parting words too. And I just want to say, you know, Daniel, I, I appreciate your podcasting. Listeners out there, you need to understand something about Daniel's Daniel's podcasting ability. You need to understand this. The beauty of what he does is that nobody knows how he does this. It can't be explained. And so it can't be believed. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. And you can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level seven or connect with us on Twitter where we're level seven pod. And remember, the seven is spelled out. Our theme music is I Knew a Guy and On the Ground by Kevin McLeod at incomtech.com, licensed under the Creative Commons license. All right, Daniel, now we can talk about the man from Uncle. Okay? Finally. All right. I know you've been dying to talk about this. I don't know why, but apparently you were dying so much to talk about it that you sent it in as something you were watching maybe Again, instead he, of he Jessica me, Jones, maybe. You told me to call in when I was watching stuff. I just have a feeling that this was because you were watching this when you could have been watching Jessica Jones. I just have that feeling. I, I could have been. Okay. I had an entire day off. So. Hey, Danny Daniel and Future Ben. 
It's Daniel here, and I, I just got done watching The Man from Uncle. Oh, why aren't you people watching this movie? It's fantastic. It's Guy Ritchie richiness in its best form. Great music, great transitions, some dialogue that's just fantastic. Throwing the action, the adventure. Yeah, I'd like to see him direct something in the MCU. But hey, I'm I'm the guy who has been a fan for the longest time of uh, Richie. I'm a big fan of Snatch. And only Richie could come together and, and give a Superman and the Lone Ranger together as agents. Agents of Uncle. Out there to save the world. I'll be honest, I'm a little sad. I'd like to see a second installment of this. I really would. But I doubt that uh, there will be, since I think I'm the only one who watched it. So... <laughs> There we go. Uh, should have been watching Jessica Jones. I knew it. Selected the man from Uncle instead. I'm going to be honest. It's funner. It's a more fun movie than Jessica Jones. Um, doesn't make me um, sad. Um, no, no. Though the world, you know, the world may have died or blown up because of the nuclear weapons. But yeah, well, warhead. So, all right. Well. I'm off to uh, find other distractions um, that aren't necessarily Jessica Jones. Peace out later, bye. I knew it. Without even listening to that, I knew that that's what was going on there. Well, I had a whole day off. (laughs) And I really like Guy Ritchie movies. And this movie just seems to me like it's the kind of movie that if you like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this is that kind of, you know, spy thriller kind of funness because the, I mean the agents of shield is a descendant of uh, man from uncle right yeah, pretty much I there, mean what is it, 1960s yeah yeah I mean I, I think the man from uncle is one of those inspirations behind agents of shield or Nick Fury agent of shield anyway at least they're both descendants of James fun James Bond well but, I mean original Nick Fury agent of shield was was the man who was called death I think right Yes, I think so. So, yeah. Here, here's the thing, and it's a nice contrast versus Jessica Jones. It's rewatchable just because it is fun. You get the the crisp sort of dialogue that we get from Agents of Shield, but we get it in a period piece with strong protagonists. I didn't realize how much taller the Lone Ranger is that over Superman, which <laughs> you would find upsetting. Um, but I mean, it was just fun. And in many ways, that's what we loved about some of the early stuff in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was the fun. And, you know, season two, we lost all the fun in a lot of ways. And now it feels like we get some of the fun back. And Jessica Jones is good, but it's not fun. Uh, yeah, it has fun moments, but it's definitely not. I Like you said, I, I don't feel like, OK, I can't wait to watch it again. But yeah. OK, well, thanks for calling in, Daniel. You're welcome. <laughs> And I guess we'll see you uh, next week, huh? Or I guess I won't see you, but I'll... You'll hear me. I'll hear you You'll in my hear ears. hear my tones. Those dulcet, sweet, sweet tones of beautiful, lovely voiciness. I don't know what that means. Sorry. <laughs>